welcome to another episode of Food to Go. My name is Joshua Minchin. I'm the editor of New Food, and I'm joined, as I always am, by the assistant editor of okay. New Food, Grace Gallagher. We can finally tell you all. Yep, I'm going to be the assistant editor of New Food starting on the first of May. You certainly are. Um, really, really fascinating conversation today. It's our Eid special. Um, we have again teased this for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Really, really important festival for so many people around the world, and we have an equally important guest. I mean, not equally importantly, but but very important guest. Um, tell us all about it. Grace, who have we got on? Well, we're absolutely honoured to have Zara Mohammed, who is the Secretary General of the Muslim Council of Britain, on the podcast talking about all things Eid, Ramadan, fasting. She really opened our eyes to such an important festival in the Muslim calendar. Yeah, it's, it's a really important festival. Um, and food plays a major role within it. I'm sure most, if not all of our listeners, know... Um, what Ramadan means to, to, to Muslims around the world. It's a time to, to reflect, to reset. Um, and a lot of, I suppose, the major component of Ramadan, apart from prayer, is, is fasting um, during the hours of daylight. It's always seemed like a very tall order to me. I don't know about you, Grace. I've, I've, I've friends, still do have friends that fast um, during Ramadan. And I, I always look on with a sense of, of yeah, of wonder. And I'm always impressed by the, by the feat that they can achieve. Um, mm-hmm. I would find it very tough, I think. As would I. I can imagine that Ramadan is a month that would completely change your outlook on food. Yeah, I think so. So you go from just kind of perhaps snacking and not even thinking about it to consciously not eating food or even drinking water um, between the hours of sunrise and sunset. So I think it would really kind of change your appreciation for it when you are eating it. I think it would. And I I think it's important to mention here just the importance of food to us all, um, you would really, I think, become, yeah, you'd become aware of how important it is. That iftar, that break of fast, at the end of the day, when you share a meal with, with family, with friends, with, with strangers, with other Muslims that perhaps you're not very well acquainted with, a, a mosque or a, a communal iftar, um, you all become aware of how important food is, and, and not just in terms of its nutritional value, but also in terms of its, um, I was going to say spiritual value, yeah, it's the way it brings people together. So I think you're actually spot on. I think you'd become so much more appreciative of what we have got and, um, yeah, and of, of the food we eat. Sarah also enlightened us of some pretty incredible iftars that she's been to this month. Um, I don't want to spoil the pod. No, don't. Let them keep listening on. But I'll just say that when Zara was talking, I saw Josh's eyes light up at a few of the things that she Yeah, mentioned. I was impressed slash very, very jealous. So you'll have to wait to, to, to hear what, what was about, about that. And she's also got some really, really great nutritional advice as well. Um, mm-hmm. I know Ramadan probably will be almost finished by the time this pod goes out. But just in terms of how you keep yourself fit, keep yourself healthy and, and nutritionally complete during... Um, what is I suppose quite a strange eating pattern certainly for, for most people in the 21st century so um, I found that really really interesting um, and yeah just some some insight into the types of foods that are eaten um, and perhaps not always the type of food that you'd you'd maybe expect. Yeah, I know Zara runs us through traditions kind of support systems and just kind of like family how exciting it is for family uh, Muslim families at this time of year and it's an amazing conversation and Zara was so knowledgeable and so it was really insightful I loved it wonderful um, let's not go any longer wasting more no, time. no yeah, we're wasting every time conversation. here's Zara on what Eid al-Fitr means to her Joining us on our Eid podcast special episode, we have Zara Mohammed, who is the Secretary General of the Muslim Council of Britain. Hi, Zara. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. 
it's great to have you here and really we just want to kick off with who you are and what is the Muslim Council of Britain? So I am the Secretary General of the Muslim Council of Britain which is the largest and most diverse representative body for British Muslim communities uh, here in the UK. Um, what does that all mean? <laughs> so in my particular post, I'm actually, I guess, the one of the most senior Muslim representatives in the country. I actually made history and was elected as the first female and the youngest and the first Scot, which you'll probably guess by my accent now, mm -hmm. uh, to take the, the position on. So I was elected back in 2021 and just recently re-elected. And so what we do is, you know, we represent um, over 500 members, local, national and regional across the UK. That includes mosques, charities, Muslim associations, women's groups, uh, professional networks. It's a really, really diverse makeup. We're really kind of a broad-based umbrella. We advocate on those difficult issues and challenges facing British Muslim communities, such as the cost of living crisis, Islamophobia. Uh, and I guess it's also about unifying communities. So we have this um, amazing project, one of many, called Visit My Mosque, in which we encourage um, well, over 250 mosques across the UK to open their doors and build bridges between communities. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. And um, it's as ever always busy and we're in Ramadan now. So it's uh, always even busier. Uh, the work of communities never ends, I guess. Absolutely not, Zara. And uh, so we are in the presence of, of, of greatness. You've obviously broken so many records and made so much history. Um, and as you said there, you do so much really crucial work. But as we discussed just before we came on on air, bit of a light-hearted conversation today we hope because it's a very special time isn't it um we've got Eid al-fitr which is either going to be tonight as we're recording tomorrow night maybe even saturday can you tell us a little bit about Eid al-fitr why the date isn't quite certain yet and what it means for muslims around the world mm. well i should thank you guys definitely for giving me a chance to have a less intense topic to talk about <laughs> Um, and yeah, so obviously the, the, the month of Ramadan is one of the most sacred in the Islamic calendar and for Muslims all over the world, uh, nearly two billion that will be taking part in fasting um, for the course of this month. And so Eid al-Fitr, which actually translates as the festival of breaking the fast, um, is, a, is a great kind of moment for us to really celebrate a, a month of fasting, a month of kind of spiritual renewal, of community, of sharing. And the whole month of Ramadan, you know, Islam actually in itself is a very social religion. And Ramadan is a very, very social occasion. So I hope people have been able to see some of the iftars across the UK in iconic buildings and um, even sporting heroes. There's been so much conversation. So I hope lots of people have been able to get a little bit more understanding of it. But Eid is a time where, you know, we, we come together and there's a kind of morning prayer, there'll be kind of a nice meal, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. But it's a real point to reflect on what we've learned through the month and to give thanks again. And because fasting teaching us that whole compassion, you know, when you go without food, it certainly has an impact and to do it for 30 days. Um, but it's not just about food, right? You're giving up your bad habits. Um, uh, for a lot of people, that sometimes is also giving up their coffee, cigarettes, all these different things. And you're um, really taking a moment to stop and think about how you can be better. So it's a great day and it's all about family and celebration. Absolutely. Um, those that know me and that listen to the podcast know that I think coffee probably would be the primary struggle for me. Um, I drink too much of it as it is, so that would be uh, the thing that I find toughest. We're going to speak about Ramadan and in, and the sort of daily iftar in a bit more detail later on in the pod. I suppose we're doing it back to front. But let's talk Eid. Um, I think sometimes we're guilty of, of, of thinking that 
or the celebration can be exactly the same. The Muslim mm. population around the world is so diverse. Can you just bring me into the celebrations? Are what sort of Eid, what sort of foods are eaten at Eid? Um, rather, does that vary massively depending on where you are in the world? Is each family different? Mm-hmm. What What would you see on a typical table come Friday night, Saturday night? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I mean, Muslim communities are very very diverse. And, you know, I myself now a third generation, uh, British Pakistani. So we've got kind of lots of different cultural food dishes, but also a bit of a hybrid British experience coming through now as well. <laughs> so, you know, you've got, I mean, obviously from the kind of South Asian community, we've, we've got our traditional biryani dishes or curries and um, roast chickens and all sorts of things. But there's also lots of British kind of inspired dishes from, you know, some people craving fish and chips or just a really big roast. And then you've got from the kind of more uh, Middle Eastern communities, uh, lots and lots of, you know, uh, dishes, whether that be more of a kind of vegetarian-based kind of falafels and, and, and those kind of uh, more, how would you call it, grain-based dishes to even in, like in Persia and the kind of infused rose and saffron. And so what you'll find is really a colourful array. Um, and that doesn't even cover, actually, I guess, some of the communities from the African or Afro-Caribbean communities that bring their own kind of traditions and food. So what you'll find is that every single kind of community brings their own kind of cultural uh, backdrop to those dishes. And they're very colourful, very flavourful, very aromatic. But here in the UK, there's just some real traditional favourites. I think chips will always make it <laughs> onto all these dinner tables. I don't know how. It is that one unifying dish that comes through. Um, but, you know, chicken and meat is obviously very important. But there's a lot of more conscious, uh, I should say Muslims, more kind of cutting back. Um, and I think a lot more vegan, uh, actually, options as well, and vegetarian. Um, people wanting to try different alternatives. So I think there's going to be a lot of food. Uh, I'm fasting today, so this is very difficult to talk about at this point. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm just joking. But I think, yeah, <laughs> I think, you know, what we find is that it's lots of generations cooking. I recall, you know, I mean, myself and my younger sister, for example, we cooked last year, uh, which probably was a little bit different to my mom's standard. But we focused more on those, you know, like roast potatoes, <laughs> roast chicken, <laughs> and all those, a pasta and all that stuff. Whereas, you know, our kind of mums and dads um, tend to, you know, they've got the more traditional, they know what they're doing essentially in the kitchen. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really exciting and there'll be lots and lots on the table. You mentioned all these amazing foods, Zara. Is food something that's very important at Eid to celebrate with people? So would it always be eaten with um, like family members or friends, or is it something that some people celebrate on their own? Yeah, so I mean, like all the big holidays, you know, we talk about even Christmas, for example, you know, we, we all are very conscious that not everybody will have family or friends or loved ones to support. And um, particularly this year, you know, we're even more conscious of the refugee communities that have come in. Mm. Um, and just on Tuesday, there was, um, and, and throughout the month, there's been lots of iftars specifically for those kinds of groups uh, because we know they're more isolated. So certainly, I guess many of us who are very lucky and privileged um, do get to celebrate with our friends and family. But what you'll find is a lot of people will pack up food. And I know a lot of mosques are offering even things like toys um, to young people and, and you know, in hospitals or in care homes and different kind of communities. So I think there's definitely an active effort and food is such an important bridge builder. And isn't it such a lovely way for people to feel everyone's part of it? You know, there's no judgment. It's just, we're just sharing something together. And I think that cuts across all religions, faiths, cultures, communities. We can always share something. So I think that's definitely something we're always very conscious of. 
Absolutely, I think you're spot on there, so I think it's no coincidence that in almost every major religious festival, food plays such an important part, because as you said, it's such a communal experience. I want to, as I said at the start, we've done this back to front, because Eid al-Fitr is, I suppose, the, 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 the climax, the culmination of a really, really important holy month um, in, the, in, the, in the Islam faith. So talk to me about Ramadan. Why is it important, um, and how difficult is it to, to, to not eat or drink? between the hours of a sunrise and sunset. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so, so obviously Ramadan, it's, it's a really holy month. It happens every year um, in, the, in the Islamic calendar. It's all kind of based around um, the lunar months. And the idea is that you stop eating. So to give you a very real example, so we... Oh, actually, I should um, caveat. I live in Scotland, so we fast amongst some of the longest in the world. <laughs> Wow, yeah, um, so of those, yeah, those of you in London or further south, um, it's shorter by half an hour. So when I'm uh, traveling across the UK, it's always quite nice when I'm in London. I get to kind of uh, break it a little bit earlier. But roughly speaking, we stop eating around 4 a.m. So we'd have what we call a suhoor, which is kind of like a light breakfast. Um, but people are very different. I mean, there's some people that will have a, a essentially a meal. <laughs> um, you know, they'll have um, what we call a parata, which is like a kind of butter-based um, like a chapati type thing, you know, fl- flatbread with is all butter with a curry. Or, I mean, I'm a kind of egg and toast, porridge, bit boring. You know, some people have a smoothie, <laughs> uh, pancakes, you know. So it's, it just depends on how much you can stomach <laughs> or, or what your job is, I guess. You know, and how much you need to keep you filled up. So we'll have that meal and then we'll do the kind of morning prayer. And then throughout the course of the day, um, we do our normal kind of prayers and kind of extra worship because it's encouraged, as well as charity. So Ramadan is the month in which Muslims tend to give the most, actually, hundreds of millions to charity and are some of the biggest donors in the world uh, during the month of Ramadan. And then we'll break our fast around sunset. And that is right now, I think, if you're in Glasgow, (laughs) that's around half eight. Uh, PM, so it can kind of, it does kind of build up, and you'll find towards just that kind of maybe hour before, hour and a half before. That's usually the toughest time of the fast. You tend to be, what we tend to find is that Muslims, we we all kind of struggle in the morning because we do lots of night prayer, and so by 10 a.m. your brain's a little bit more active and ready to go, <laughs> um, and then the kind of after your best slot is early afternoon. That's when you can get the most done. And then towards late afternoon, you tend to kind of feel a little bit tired. And But it's actually what's really important in Ramadan, and people don't realize it, is moving the body. Not strenuous exercise, but just keeping active, keeping movement, but not overexerting yourself. And so the whole idea of Ramadan is um, you're not just meant to sit there and be hungry <laughs> or just to think about, you know, not eating. You're actually consciously supposed to design a day that's about giving back. Um, doing good deeds, you know, being conscious of your own behavior and actions to all the others. Could I be more polite? Um, you know, can I offer to help a bit more? So that's kind of like that whole spirit. And then what's really wonderful about breaking the fast is it's highly encouraged to do it with your neighbors, with your friends, with the local community. So most across the country here in the UK will be serving up to 400 people a night. Wow. Um, and you'll have wonder, and it's all volunteer led. Everybody's a volunteer. People will literally volunteer. I was just looking at, at some of the stories, you know, these, the kitchen staff, for example, they're cooking in these massive pots, you know, and they'll eat at the end. And there's just such a nice spirit of people coming together and people delivering food packs. And, and you know, the there's been so many great projects at the Ramadan Tent Project, Open Iftars. Um, they're going to be having, um, they've had hosted Iftars at the V&E, Wembley Stadium. I was just at West Ham 
uh, on Monday, uh, which was organised by one of the local mosques as well. So uh, England and Wales Cricket Club. So there's been such a heightened interest. And what's really great is that it brings lots of different people together uh, to open the fast and, you know, irrespective of their background or faith. Sarah, I'm really intrigued. Throughout the course of Ramadan, is fasting something that your body gets used to? Or even as uh, we approach Eid, are you still not used to not eating or drinking in the day? Uh, so you do get used to it. Obviously, the first couple of days are always really tough, as with everything. But the whole idea is it takes, they say you do around 30 days to create a habit. Mm. So, But what, what I'm finding with my friends and colleagues is we seem to be struggling on these last few days. <laughs> Maybe because we know the end is in sight mm. and the body's uh, craving. Um but yeah, you do kind of get used to it. And I think that the, my pro tip is, you know, in some ways to normalize your day mm-hmm. in that you're not so conscious of it. Um, but what I've learned is that, you know, so many of us have really poor um, uh, eating habits with these Zoom meetings and things. Don't you find mm-hmm. you're just sitting at the screen all day and you're like, oh my God, did I skip lunch? Uh, so I don't encourage that. But I think um, in some ways you're more conscious of yourself and what you're doing. Food is less of a priority and the body becomes more attuned to it. So it's a more of a mental and spiritual discipline than one that's all physical. But if, but there are some people who are doing very like physically laborious jobs or in the sporting mm. world or, you know, agriculture, construction or whatever, where, or even chefs and kitchens, <laughs> um, where I'm sure that, you know, there's, there's definitely more of a challenge on fasting. And I should also say that um, not everybody needs to fast. Um, so there is exemptions for people, say, for example, like my parents got diabetes or health conditions or if you're sick uh, and so on and so forth. So it's it's not, you know, compulsory on everybody if, if people are not well. So as you said, it's a really important month for, for, for charity and giving back as well. And you mentioned there some of the incredible work that mosques up and down the country are, are doing to, to feed people. In, in our research for, for this interview, we, we found that food insecurity is a real big um, inspiration during Ramadan for, for Muslims around the world. Is that something that easily reflects in your members as well? Is there a lot of care and a lot of um, devotion given to making sure that everyone has food during this holy month? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, across um, communities, particularly where... Uh, maybe there's a small Muslim community or a bigger one, it's also being conscious of, you know, not wasting food. And the whole idea is that, you know, mosques are in some ways community hubs and community centres. But it's not just mosques. I think people are generally, you know, um, uh, for example, someone might just buy an iftar and, and send it to a neighbour or a friend or, you know, purchase some ingredients. And so I think there's there's definitely a lot more consideration as to not everybody. I mean, particularly, I, I guess you could say with post-COVID circumstances, we don't talk about the pandemic so much, but a lot of people did lose a lot of family. So holidays like this, where you're so used to seeing who you normally see, what we've seen is that, you know, obviously people have passed away. You don't see them in the same way. And and for some people, that's family members. So I think it's being conscious of that and thinking about what are the ways we can share, because not everybody can come to the mosque. Um, You know, some people are very elderly, going out and getting food. Um, Maybe they need a drop-off service, so some people are providing that. And we have this great thing called uh, Uber Eats, Deliveroo, and uh, (laughs) Just Eat, you know, so you can just literally buy someone an iftar and send it to them. So I think there's so many other ways of reaching out, which is is lovely. But then also thinking about not just the fasting, but the homeless and those in need, uh, and and making sure that maybe, you know, there's an invitation. I've I've seen lots of interfaith iftars and (coughs) open iftars with a wider community as well. So I think there's something really nice about that. And we've mentioned that word so much in the last couple of minutes, iftar, but take me through 
a typical, if that's even possible, iftar. Yeah. Of course, you can break your fast however you like, but there is one yeah. particular food, isn't there, that is traditional to, to eat after after the fast ends? Yeah, I mean, for some people, there'll be lots of typical. <laughs> um, but yeah, traditionally, the fast is open with either uh, water or dates. So dates are the renowned you know, mascot of, of Ramadan, you could say. Um, and we do consume a lot of them and everybody's got their kind because there's so many different varieties of dates. And then what will usually happen is, in, in I, I guess I can speak generally, there'll be some kind of a light starter type food, depending on your ho- household or, or where you're eating. So really fruit, salad, um, you know, something a little bit nutritious, obviously samosas and pakoras for those of us from the South Asian community. Um, despite how many times I say I'm not going to do it. I still end up taking one and, you know, it comes back to haunt me. I don't blame you for that. (laughs) You're just hungry. You're supposed to be warm. Mum's like, well, I know you said you don't want it, but here you go. (laughs) (laughs) And then you end up eating it. So so usually, and you know, like um, hummus, olives, you know, that kind of just sundries type. So just having something a bit light and then we'll go for prayer. So the Maghrib sunset prayer kind of immediately after. So you usually have about... 10 15 minutes just to kind of open your fast, and then everybody goes to prayer whether you're at home or at the mosque or wherever you are. You'll do that sunset prayer, then you come back, and then there'll be the kind of broader meal. Um, the challenging part is your stomach naturally shrinks a little bit. I don't know if that's the right phrasing. I'd hope doctors listening won't tell me off for it, but you know what I mean when you don't eat so much, yeah. mm-hmm. you can't really fit that much in. <laughs> So there's this awful thing of eating with your eyes where you think you're going to consume so much. But uh, even yesterday I was thinking, oh, my God, there's so much delicious food there. And I, I just couldn't. I had a tiny amount and I felt really sad. <laughs> uh, but there's space for dessert. There's always space for dessert. So, uh, now, so the thing is, so once we have the main meal and it's some sweet, um, then we'll tend to go for the evening round of prayers. So they usually start around um, 9.45, half nine. Uh, so these are the evening prayers. And what's special about Ramadan is there's a night prayer called Tarawih. And that's just, um, it's just like additional prayer. It's like bonus points. And what's usually done is the whole Quran is completed through the 30 days in this evening prayer. So there'll be lots, lots of kind of units of praying. So if people have seen Muslims pray, we kind of, we bow and prostrate throughout. And when we're standing, we're reciting. So we're actually reciting verses of the, the Quran. So literally there are, um, all over the world, people have memorized the Quran. And what you'll find is young and old at the front reciting. And they'll finish the whole, um, the whole Quran by the end of the month. And it's a really, really powerful and very spiritual moment. Um, and then by that point, you get home, you could hope, maybe take a little nap, then you're up again, and then you have the kind of breakfast. So, uh, yeah, iftars, I mean, I can tell you about some of the iftars I've been to, but... <laughs> no, please do. Let's yeah, shall I tell you? Yeah, let's hear some. I'm intrigued by the West Ham iftar. Let's hear some okay, of right. the, 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 so, the best hits. I just want to say I did it all for duty, so do not judge me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just going to decadent iftars because, you know what, I'm... You, I'm for. I'm very. It's a humble. tough job. I know. It's, it's a right. tough, it's tough job. job. I, honestly, people see my Instagram and they think Zara really. And I was like, look, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. This is the line of work that I'm in. So I've been super blessed because um, obviously I get invited to lots and lots of iftars, and some of them are historic and iconic. So last year I attended, and they did it again this year. Was England and Wales uh, Cricket Club? They did the first ever iftar in the Lords. Oh, I'm very um, jealous never, of that. I'd, yeah, I'd never been before, and it was just so so iconic, and just the whole kind of kind of cricket stars, and, they, and actually the England cricket captain was sitting at my table, and all sorts, and, and that was they actually went for a kind of um, a fusion British Indian type cuisine, 
uh, which was very nice. Um, but some of the other ones, so let's go to West Ham. West Ham was really phenomenal and uh, what was phenomenal about that iftar experience, obviously we're at this huge stadium, they let us all in, uh, so we got to go where the players go through and, and onto the grass and they, they invited lots of the local community kids who were ecstatic. I could not kid, uh, <laughs> their screams and shrieks and uh, I think like dreams were made, um, dreams were coming true. And one young, young little boy, oh he was so cute, he had a notepad ready, took it out of his little pocket <laughs> with a pen. Um, for some of the players to sign, one kid had bought a football, they'd all been given scarves, um, I obviously got to meet the mascot, which was wonderful, and sit in the mm -hmm. kind of coaches area, um, and, and they had a whole, did a nice kind of rice and, and curry option too, um, but one of the very, very elaborate ones I got to go to, no judgement please, was uh, Iftar at the Savoy. Ooh. I've seen this on your social media. Oh, no, oh my god, you, it was, <laughs> so I'm was, very jealous. It looked absolutely amazing. So I should say it was uh, for the United Nations uh, Refugee Agency. So it was actually for a really important cause, and they did raise a lot of money for that cause. That didn't stop them from obviously overindulging us. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I meant about um, stamina, because they really put out all the stops. There were so many courses and chocolates and. Oh, <laughs> probably felt like that was really nice. But I mean, look, there was still a lot of prayer afterwards. But it was such a nice evening. And, you know, you had lots of different communities coming together. We had um, an auction. Uh, and there was a special guest from um, the Antiques Roadshow who did the, the auction. It was absolutely hilarious. And you had some <laughs> footballing heroes. So th that's on the kind of more excitable side of the spectrum. Um, but, you know, I've attended, what else? Gosh. Um, the uh, Parliament, we also had an Iftar in Parliament, which was really nice. And they had um, a really nice restaurant um, from, I shouldn't give anybody a plug, so. <laughs> but they had a really, really nice, it was a buffet style, again, so much, so much to eat. Um, and, and I guess the, the I mean, but my, I have actually attended mosque Iftars as well, I should say. It's a little bit more humble and low-key. My favourite Iftar is always my mum's. <laughs> Um, because there's nothing that beats mum's cooking and she knows that we all I think we're all terrible because we all my younger siblings like totally different things so she's always kind of um, dealing with that <laughs> um, but at the same time everyone's fasting so she's calm but she's like you know you guys drive me nuts can you please agree what you want to eat <laughs> what do you want today um, but yeah you, what you find though is that although the, you know the iftars can be very lavish and exciting and there's, a lot, there's lots to it. What I really enjoy is just how many people have been brought together through that experience. Um, and, you know, so for example, another one I went to, another football was Man City in Manchester. So I took the train up and they had such an amazing commitment to diversity. They did the call to prayer across the stadium. Uh, they had dates on like these really fancy little platters. Uh, <laughs> it was very, very posh with the waiters. I said, oh, this is probably the fanciest date experience I've had. Um, and, you know, lots of nice kind of um, uh, buffets of little foods. I mean, I'm, I'm a big dessert person, so that's what I'll check out first <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, to quantify how much I want to eat. Um, but, yeah, it brings, I mean, they did some presentations about the kind of commitment they have to diversity and to making everybody feel included. We saw the Tesco advert as well on Eid. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So again, and I think, you know what, there's a wider point here, although it's about consciousness of Ramadan and people fasting, and I think we're seeing it across all the festivals. Muslims in particular have lots of different stereotypes that we are constantly challenging. And I think what this month has allowed us to do, I mean, we had the, the kind of Ramadan lights as well uh, in London. And this, what this does is this is a kind of opening for us to say, this is who we are. 
and we'd love to invite you around for for a meal <laughs> uh, so you can find out more about it and, and and that kind of friendly atmosphere and so it's just been really exciting for myself and although you know it's the line of duty I tend to talk too much so I don't get to eat as much as I really want to so I would if a note to all organizers can you please prepare a doggy bag for me <laughs> so I can take it with me um, because some of these iftars I just think gosh we've only got a quick kind of time turnaround time is quick before we've got to head to prayers it sounds incredible Zara I'm, I'm very jealous um, <laughs> I've been to, to the Etihad campus a few times up in Manchester and it is an amazing place so I'm not surprised you had a good time there um, I want to ask you a question you mentioned earlier about stomach shrinking and how, how your body can change mm. I see well maybe wrongly I see you're perhaps eating less even though you have a big meal, eating less over the day. Mm. How do Muslims ensure they stay nutritionally healthy throughout mm. the fast? Um, it's not, I suppose, uh, quote-unquote, it's not a normal pattern of eating. So how do you ensure that you're getting the right nutrients, you're drinking mm. enough water when, when you're permitted to, um, mm. you're not overeating, you're not under-eating? Is that, is that front of mind? Yeah, it's, it's so much more. And I think because mo- more in recent years, I think in the last kind of five to six years, there's so much more being done within the community and external to, you know, research around um, eating healthier, staying hydrated, sleeping and resting. I think there's just so much more of a science around it. So nutritionally speaking, you know, we're kind of advised like, just to avoid caffeinated drinks, sugary drinks, um, actually think about eating certain you know proteins and fibers and you know avoid carbs essentially because they just turn to sugar um, and a lot of people like that's why movement is still really important even if it's just things like taking a short walk stretching keeping the body active um, so yeah absolutely there's a lot of kind of advice and guidance and what to eat when to eat and how to eat and even like um with water in particular, because that is the most challenging. And a couple of years back, if you remember, Ramadan was in summer. Yes. Up in Scotland, we were opening our fast at 10.30. <laughs> and it, it, oh God, we all remember those. If They were the hardest, because we had an amazing summer, actually, in the UK. But for those of us fasting, it was just torture. Uh, I shouldn't say torture, but it, it was very difficult. It was certainly a challenge. And I think there we were so much caught, because I remember... Um, I had classes as well and just feeling really lightheaded and dizzy and kind of realizing actually that how important the hours we do eat and sleep. The other thing is sleep as well. Even just taking a power nap, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, it just makes so much more of a difference because it's, it's, the, it's your cognitive abilities that are the most impacted. So there's loads of advice and guidance around, you know, just being more um, conscious of what you are eating, avoiding those foods. I mean, it's the same foods that we should avoid anyway, <laughs> day to day. Um, but I think, uh, as we talked about, you know, for those people, I mean, I'm, I'm a big tea person myself. I'm a, I'm a social coffee drinker. So if you get me there, we'll get, you know, a decaf latte. <laughs> I'm, that, I'm, I'm a light on my caffeine, but I'm a big, big tea drinker. Uh, and I like my, my selections of tea. I'm not just boring in that. Um, so for me, it's that craving. I just need a cup of tea. But tea is naturally, unco- they're very dehydrating. So if you tend to have that, what you'll find is that the, they're, not, they're not actually quite good for you. They tend to give you a bit of a headache as well. And so I'm not an expert. I should <laughs> put that disclaimer on. But generally speaking, I think there's things that you should have more of. So like porridge is a great one. You know, it just keeps kind of, it's, it's good, you know, wholemeal breads, those kinds of things, if you, if you do want bread. I think what we've also found is, um, inspired by the vegetarian vegan community, is loads and loads more alternatives, you know, in terms of, like, for my brother, for example, he only has kind of almond milk 
and, and coconut milk and there's I think a lot of people face that anyway with just generally with drinking milk I've got a lot of people you know don't have bread and milk and those kinds of things so I think there's just so much more options now um, but you do have to plan you can't kind of go in there and thinking okay I'll be fine the other community we've got is you know our gym goers <laughs> so a lot of people still go to the gym uh, they tend to do it late night or, or sometimes in the day and so what's kind of encouraged is just not to be too aggressive on the body when you're doing that because obviously you know you're exerting yourself and it will have kind of a, a bit of an impact later on. Sorry you've mentioned some great tips just now does the Muslim Council of Britain provide any dietary or nutritional advice on its website or on social media or is it something that separate agencies offer to the Muslim community? So yeah, we do. Uh, we've got lots of resources. We publish our Ramadan guide every year. So we um, go to our kind of members and affiliates. We've got the British Islamic Medical Association, for example, and others who give us kind of advice. We share those resources. But there's lots of different places online that you can check out um, and lots of good tips and advice. And it's always good if you do have any conditions to also consult your doctor or anybody else, you know, just to double check if you are okay, if, if you have any existing conditions. Um, but yet, yeah, on the whole, I think people are getting smarter about it and more kind of aware. And I think the month isn't about, it's about taking care of yourself. And um, it's not to be a hardship in the sense that it's something that's really harmful to you. It's more a kind of test and a challenge in the positive way. So even for myself, it's things like, you know, having a bit of fruit, just making sure that you're still getting, you know, a bit of vitamin C or D or whatever it is, uh, thinking about water and just thinking about, okay, um, because actually gulping lots of water is not good for you. <laughs> As I recently found out, do not do it. You need to take it. small steps, right? Small steps mm -hmm. <laughs> go a long way. Um, so there's lots of things like that. And, and the other great thing about our mascot, the date, dates are full of so much goodness natural sugars and fibers they're kind of like a combination of like lucasade and a protein bar <laughs> um, so dates are always highly encouraged there is of course another eid festival that falls a bit later in the year this year eid al adha do they vary in terms of the way they are celebrated with food um is one more important mm -hmm. than the other um yeah so the there is another eid coming up it'll be in june and that's around the pilgrimage that muslims do called the Hajj, which is in Saudi Arabia, in Mecca. And it's all based on uh, Prophet Abraham, who's also in the Christian Jewish tradition, and his kind of journey and worship, so people can kind of look a little bit more into that. And so what's very traditional in that Eid, well, number it, so it's all about the pilgrims will go, and they, well, then we, there's three days of celebration, actually. And so I've actually been very blessed. I got to go there, and it's, uh, I think it was like 44 degree heat. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's quite the experience. And... What's so powerful is that, you know, you, you're taking part in lots of rituals, there's maybe over a million people there. You get to meet Muslims from all over the world in all levels of affluence. Some people who have walked there or journeyed there, taken boats, they've saved up their entire life savings to go. Uh, and those of us who are a little bit more privileged here in the UK and in the Western world who, you know, maybe have the means. Um, but it's, it's so important. So when you do go and you take part in that. So the Eid is celebrated for three days. And... Um, it actually, uh, it's more about lamb, uh, not la lamb and uh, beef. So it's actually more about the kind of red meat uh, that's eaten. So the korbani, it's called. And what happens is to kind of mark the celebration, um, that's the kind of food that's kind of eaten and, and food is actually distributed to the poor. So people will pay for a korbani, which is the kind of a, um, a cow or a lamb to be kind of given for the occasion. 
Um, so not everybody can obviously afford that in full, but the idea is that you're supposed to pay for it and then feed the poor with it. That can be locally here in the UK, friends and neighbours. Some, some mosques will distribute meat uh, to people in all different kind of backgrounds. Others will give it um, to have uh, for people, people abroad. And in terms of celebration, yep, there's lots of food, as you guess. There's lots of dinner parties and lots of celebrations and, and presents. And so it's still got all the same kind of characteristics. But what we're celebrating is the completion of the Hajj by the pilgrimage, the kind of this holy occasion in the Eid al-Adha. Um, uh, so it's the festival of sacrifice. And it's just marking that really kind of prophetic story and journey. So, again, it's another really important one, but it kind of represents something different. And so these are the two important festivals in Islam that we do celebrate and they're kind of the most important parts. And yeah, you're right, food is all across it, lots of it. And I guess you'll see more of it on my Instagram (laughs) closer to the date. Zora, I want to wrap up. Um, This has been an amazing conversation. I'd love to hear all the different um, celebrations, if those you've been to. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. I've been engrossed in, in, in the sort of uh, the live updates from, from where we're going to see the moon to see when Eid's actually going to fall whether it's going to be um, Friday or Saturday mm-hmm. how will you be celebrating whenever it does fall um, yeah. yeah what are you going to do well I'll, so thankfully I'm home <laughs> and not on tour so um, the morning will normally start with um, yeah, some some nice clothes uh, whether they're new or fresh but you know you've got to put on your best best outfit best foot forward and then um, meeting my family at the mosque uh, for morning prayers so there's usually like shifts of prayers so it depends on how early you want to wake up we might go for the 10am if I'm honest um, but it starts all the way from 6am um, so going for prayers and then there's always a kind of nice um, kind of breakfast meal that mum kind of puts together or we'll all put we'll probably my sister and I were the naughty ones we'll probably get some cakes <laughs> <laughs> to, to you know offer as breakfast um, and so they always say that you should walk to the mosque uh, or you know take public transport or get to the mosque in one way and then go a different way home and um, there's lots of kind of little rituals before. If I remember correctly, I think you eat after prayer, but I could be wrong, so I need to double check that. So I need to get my. Um, uh, so the idea is you should eat with something sweet as well, have a shower, get yourself all fresh. Then after that, kind of sitting with the family. Now, if Eid falls on Friday, it means that we also have the Friday congregational prayers. So that's usually around kind of one o'clock. So we might be then popping out for that. But mainly it'll be around having a really nice meal with family. If the weather's good, then maybe we'll head out. Scotland's got lots of nice beauty, so plenty to discover. Um, And usually it's quite nice in Eid, you get a gift. Sometimes that translates as a monetary gift. So there could also be a bit of shopping, but we will wait and see. (laughs) It tends to be when you're younger and cuter, you get more money. (laughs) When you're older, they're like, well, you've been fasting for years, so what do you expect? (laughs) So the gifts are really... But what I should just say is that um, uh, Muslims across the UK, some will be having Eid in the park, uh, particularly in, in London and all over England. These are huge, huge events with um, bouncy castles and stalls and all sorts of activities and fun. In Scotland, the weather is very turbulent, so we gave up doing them. Um, but <laughs> definitely there's there's lots going to be happening, you know, and uh, mosques usually host a little a party, and I'm hoping that there'll be lots of events taking place all over at the weekend, actually, especially for those who maybe don't have somewhere to go. Uh, and then usually it's about, you know, phoning family and friends and messaging everybody and just, yeah, offering a, a really wonderful Eid Mubarak so uh, the great thing about the weekend too is we will be able to just relax a bit before we head back into Monday Thank you so much for your time um, 
love speaking to you about Idar Fitter and about the different iftars you've been to. Um, what a wonderful conversation. We will let you go because, as you said, I'm sure it's, it's, it's getting tough. Um, you've only got, what, maybe maybe 12 hours, maybe longer to go. Um, <laughs> and whenever it does fall, we wish you um, Barak and, and a lovely weekend whenever it does fall. Thank you so much, guys. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I hope everybody's really benefited from the conversation. Great. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love that. What a wonderful conversation. It was so amazing to hear everything that Zara had to say. Genuinely, I learned so much during that um, recording. Josh, I don't know about you. Yeah, I did. Um, Favourite bit was probably the Zara rattling off all the iftas she's been to. Um, My eyes were, were green with jealousy here in the studio to learn that she'd managed to get not only to Lord's Cricket Ground, not only to the Olympic Stadium, but also to, to, to the Etihad, to, to, to Manchester City Stadium too. Um, which for a sports fan is, yeah, was tough to hear. <laughs> um, no, it's a really, really holy month. It's a really, really important month. Just speaking about that that, that Iftar at Lord's, um, which is the, the home of English cricket, for those of you that um, might be listening elsewhere and don't know that, the England captain that Zara spoke about there is Owen Morgan, and I think he probably embodies that spirit of um, community and of coming together and of understanding. Um, there was an amazing moment after England won the World Cup against New Zealand a few years back where um, I think a journalist said, oh, um, it was a very tight game, I won't bore you with the details, but someone said, oh, Owen, you had the, uh, the luck of the Irish on your side then. Um, and he said, well, actually, as the last ball was being sort of running to bowl and, and, and someone said that to him on the pitch. Um, Adil Rashid, who's a really important member of the team, said, oh, don't worry, Owen, because we've got Allah on our side too. Um, and he said that during a press conference and it was just this real beautiful moment where so many different cultures sort of collided and, and, and fused in a wonderful way. So um, it's wonderful to hear that so many different institutions are, are, are partaking and are, and are spreading the message. For example... Um, this year in the Premier League, matches, are, oh, I think across all the football leagues in, in, in the UK, matches are actually being stopped. Those that are played at night, of course, are being stopped mm-hmm. um, around 20, 30 minutes in, which would be about 20 past half past eight um, for the players that are, are fasting to break their fast. How you can be a professional athlete during Ramadan, I, I don't know. You look at, you watch Mo Salah play, who mm-hmm. um, is a practicing Muslim and, and I'm sure is fasting. Mm-hmm. Um and his standards do not drop during what I'm sure is a very tough month. <laughs> I know that Zara mentioned about even gym goers finding it quite difficult to kind of train while fasting. I know that intermittent fasting exists and that is literally you train in the morning and then eat straight after your workout. But this is so completely different. You're not eating or drinking water, in fact, all day. And then you're just powering through. People have to do their normal jobs, as Zara said. But it just sounds like such a powerful communal month where people can kind of lean on their family and friends and other people in the Muslim community to kind of get them through it almost. Yeah, it's a really important month. And I, I thought it was particularly um, inspirational to hear Zara speak about the work, the charity work that's done during Ramadan, um, the focus on making sure that everybody has got something to eat, mm-hmm. um, no matter how privileged or how perhaps underprivileged you are. And that's a really important focus. Um, the Muslim community th- does so much to battle food insecurity I mean, all year round, not just during the home of Ramadan, but especially during Ramadan there's a real focus on food insecurity. Um, and as Zara said, mosques up and down the country serving 400 plus people each night at an iftar. Um, yeah, it's a wonderful month. It's a wonderful festival. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm intrigued to see when it's going to fall because as we're speaking now, it's still up for debate whether you can celebrate Eid tomorrow and tonight mm-hmm. as the last sort of iftar or whether it's another day of fasting tomorrow I'm, I'm intrigued 
I've had a glance over at your laptop a couple of times today, and he genuinely has a tab open, trying to work out when it's it's announced today, isn't it? So yeah, it's well, coming. it's it's a bit unofficial. Um, I think Saudi Arabia kind of usually calls it. Mm-hmm. So most people, weather forecasters think it's it's all to do with when the full moon sighted. Most people think it's going to be it's going to end up being on Saturday. So there will be another day of fasting tomorrow. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a really important month. I also found the nutritional sort of advice. Zara was giving out there really, really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Most of it, as she said, is stuff that we probably should avoid. I know, really. Like, I certainly shouldn't drink five cups of coffee a day. Um, we shouldn't really be eating loads of carbs. However, it, it's all heightened during a time when you aren't eating, again, quote unquote, normally throughout the month. It's, 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 it's really important to watch what you put into your body. Um, I just find it interesting that that sort of also becomes the focus. As you say, Josh, it's almost flipping the, quote, normal eating day on its head. So your body, it must be quite a shock to the system mm. for the body because you're eating normal in the nighttime and kind of throughout the whole day, your body's almost, at least for the first few days, it's going to be waiting for you to feed it. That's why I asked Sarah the question, does your body get used to it throughout Ramadan? Because I think, as she said, that your, sh- your stomach must shrink for you to kind of almost find it, quote, normal uh, a few weeks in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just bringing it sort of, round again full circle it's as I said to do in our interview it's no coincidence that almost every major festival religious or otherwise has food at the centre point and I think it's important to remind ourselves as an industry just how important food is to everybody on this planet of course it's a source of nutrition it's the fuel that we live our lives with but it's so much more than just fuel it's it's community it's sharing it's um it's togetherness and I actually think that, that Ramadan and Eid is, is perhaps the distil- distillation of, of that fact. Every night, it, it's a tough day, as Zara said, it's tough, um, especially just before sort of the fast ends, it's, it's, it becomes tougher and tougher. And that moment when you take the day and everyone sits down and eats together, whether that be at home with your family or at the mosque, every single day, food becomes such a massive part of your day um, in terms of being a, a, a celebration. And then obviously at Eid, Lots and lots of food, but food is the centre point. And we spoke during our Easter special a couple of weeks ago. Again, most families will have an Easter meal that you'll sit down for. Christmas is no different. I know that Passover is exactly the same. We sometimes forget in our sort of day-to-day busyness in the food industry um, just how important what we do is. I know, and I think Zara... Made, it was the, the advice that Zara gave to people, kind of because she's been through... I'm sure many different Ramadans and Eids in her life, but she's kind of built up all of these tips that some people might just kind of who are starting out or need advice for. She it was really insightful to know that everyone's going through the same thing at the same time. Exactly, it's a real sense of togetherness and, and of community. Um, that is probably one of my favourite conversations I've ever had on Food to Go. Okay. I, I loved it. So yeah. fascinating and, and and so heartwarming. And even if there was some jealousy with some of the amazing places that Zara's managed to attend. So I suppose the last thing to say from us is is an Eid Mubarak to wherever you are in the world, if you're celebrating, um, whether you're celebrating when this goes out or whether you had to wait another day or so, um, we hope you have a lovely and holy time. And we'll be back in maybe a week, maybe a couple of weeks, Grace. We've got a few great conversations to publish. We, we always say this. We always say this. I know we've got one lined up. Shall I mention the name? I think we've mentioned the name before. Go for it. Well, we've got the Gut Health podcast on the way. That is on the way. That is coming. I know we keep teasing it. That we, is on the we've way. We've teased it probably about three times. It's on the way. It's a good one. It certainly is. Um, so keep your eyes. There we go again with the eyes. Peeled. Keep your eyes peeled and your ears peeled um, for that. And as I always say, you can get the entire back catalogue of Food to Go on the New Food website, newfoodmagazine.com, plus all of our digital content, which is uploaded daily. Uh, you can 
also catch every single episode on Spotify by searching New Food, on Apple by searching New Food, and everything's also on SoundCloud too. So make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode of Food to Go. Um, that's it from me. We hope you have a lovely time if you're celebrating Eid. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Eid Mubarak, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>